Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to another episode of Masala PTI Boys and Girls. This is our first post fantasy episode and I should start off by congratulating my partner in crime Ravi. Ravi actually made it to super two Super Bowls, won one and along the way crushed me in two semifinals. Congrats Ravi and I I I guess I should just shut up and let you run this show the rest of the bask, year bask in the glory of the wins huh? but thank you uh, you know i did not uh, uh, recollect being this excited the only other time that i won uh, the super bowl in the league of record which was 3 years ago at that time i guess it was like i didn't know how to take it mm-hmm. this and plus the second thing was that that particular super bowl i remember was a low scoring affair where uh my team beat the opponent 85 to 75 or something so it was almost embarrassing to be in that super bowl <laughs> and win like scoring 85 this time around i actually enjoyed it especially because uh, uh i think we discussed it briefly uh, during our last podcast that there were a few moves that i was really happy about for once and yeah. uh, they seemed to work yeah i think you totally earned this one because our last uh uh episode uh was just before our semifinal matchup so like i said yes. you you beat me in both the semifinals in two of our leagues and you actually probably listeners remember this too you had some brilliant calls i thought which worked out uh right you know next week uh against me unfortunately but one of the things i remember was uh, you were strongly recommending time montgomery and the defense that plays new york jets now through the super bowl the defense that played new york jets was your defense and i thought that worked out really well for you and kudos to you and same thing with ty montgomery i think he had uh, i think i don't know if he had two good weeks with he definitely had one good week when most people were having that semi final so good job No thanks Arvind. I think there were two uh, aspects aside from uh, you know star players or matchups uh, there were two things that um, made me feel really pleased one was what you just said which is my rule of thumb for the last 7 weeks of uh, this particular season was basically to play the defense or to stream the defense that's going to play against either the jets the 49ers or the rams and by coincidence that meant that four out of those seven weeks i ended up having the new england patriots so that was okay <laughs> and then uh, along the way i ended up playing the dolphins against the jets that worked out well as well so that was one thing the second thing i realized is in my final starting lineup out of the nine players only one was someone that i drafted which was elliot and only one other uh, player odell beckham was one that i traded for so essentially there were only two players that were sought after not just by me but by other people like odell was also drafted high the seven other players were all picked up from the scrap heap so they were pure waiver wire ads or free agent uh, ads uh, which kind of at least made me feel somewhat vindicated in regards to whoever i may have dropped in order to pick say right, um, right. Uh, michael thomas or uh, kirk cousins yeah they all served me well right up until the end yeah that's a sign of a good uh, ownership or management through the season because i noticed that too typically you do a lot of trades but this year you were a little bit more disciplined but you're uh, you made up for that with really solid ad drops and by the way just <laughs> going back to your defense comment uh, most of us were following the same trick right except that i was over invested in war was playing san francisco or rams whereas i think you did the right thing especially once uh, uh, bryce petty started playing to focus on the jets i think that's where you kicked all our butts 
because I know I was talking to another owner in our league and we were all looking at the same two or three teams, right? But some of us picked the one that's playing uh, Rams, some of us were always picking ones that was playing the Niners and they honestly after a while became a hit or miss. But you kept hitting on the Jets towards the end of the season and that was pretty good. Uh, and you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. By the way, in saying all of this, the one thing I would admit that I basically got lucky in the semifinals beating you because that literally was the only week during the entire season that Tom Brady didn't show up and I was just yes. lucky. Otherwise, you would have kicked my ass. Uh, oh, But going back to the defense point, you know, the reason why I guess the Jets... Uh, were uh, you know a, a more fruitful team to play against as far as defense was concerned is because they were not only playing Bryce Petty but they were one Bryce Petty injury away from getting Fitzpatrick and potentially <laughs> Christian Hackenberg back. So there, there was literally no loss. It was a win-win situation all around. Right. So that brings us uh, to another point I wanted to talk now. You know, I think both of us had a good season in the sense that if you're having fun with fantasy well into week 15 or 16, you're doing good, right? Yes. And I think both of us did that in both of leagues. And you got a little unlucky in the other league. I thought you would win that as well. But uh, at some point, maybe in, during the next couple of weeks, Ravi, we talked about this. We should probably do like a detailed uh, what we learned what can we take away from next season or down the road, that sort of thing. I would especially like to hear your opinions being the champion. Uh, but one of the things that, you, you know, you brought up is how I got totally screwed by Brady's that week 15 uh, performance, right, when I needed him. Now, I believe I had Brady uh, starting in both the leagues, Uh and that was bad timing. So that brought up an interesting point. Like, how do you optimize for schedule? This is a, if, especially if you roll it back all the way to the draft, right? This is obviously a very hard problem because you can't even think about playoffs. You need to first make it to the playoffs, right? So you cannot stay yeah. away from, let's say, Brady or anybody because, oh, they have a tough week 16 Super Bowl. Hell, you need to get to the Super Bowl first, right? So yeah. you got to go with the best guys who give you the chance for that. Now, even as you get closer to the Super Bowl, right, there are three weeks and it's almost impossible to optimize for all three weeks. And you need to win every single week, right? It's, it's a single elimination at that point. So one of my, uh, one of our co-owners in one of the leagues we are in was giving me a hard time about having Brady in week 15, I'm like, listen, that was perfect schedule probably for week 16, but I didn't make it, right? So how do I optimize for this, right? How do you approach that problem? Any thoughts? You know, uh, and by the way, who did Brady play in week 15 when you lost to me? Like, who did he have a bad game against? So, the guy literally has only one team he doesn't play well against. That's at, on the road at Denver. Oh, okay. So, and then okay. week 16, he was at Miami or he was, I don't know, they played Miami. That's another team he doesn't, the team doesn't do well against usually. But uh, he had a great game. Not that I thought through any of that, right? Because Brady took me through the season. Now, I have... The other thing, too, is somebody like Brady, you have to start. You can't just put him on the bench even against Denver because he may make you look completely stupid, right? He could throw for four touchdowns and completely uh, screw up your planning. But what was interesting to me is... There is a three-week window where you have to optimize and somebody's going to have a bad week. And it's not just the quarterback, right? You have the same thing with your running backs, top receivers, everything. So I just thought that's a very interesting dilemma for a lot of owners as they get into the playoffs. You know, either way, it's a gamble. And I'll take your decision to play Brady against the Broncos in isolation. But I think it applies to something in the Super Bowl, which I was debating, and I'll come to that in a minute as well. But to me, the rule of thumb, Arvind, is it's obviously not an exact science. Mm -hmm. So 
that being said, the best decision always has to be one that you can live with. If Brady was one of your marquee picks and he, you rode him for 14 weeks, uh, he's the one who got you there. Irrespective of who he's playing against in week 15, I am sure that sitting him down and playing whomever you may have picked off the waiver wire against potentially a weaker opponent and then losing in week 15 would have made you feel a lot worse than continuing to play Brady and losing as a, as a result. Right, uh, right. So, so that, and, and again, a similar case in point is just before the Super Bowl, uh, one of our fellow owners dropped Cam Newton because he was just frustrated with Newton and Newton had had a pretty awful season. I picked Newton up purely as insurance. Yeah. And the night before the Super Bowl, one of our other owners advised me to start Newton because he was playing against the Falcons and so on and so forth. Right. But I debated that. I debated that seriously and then came to the same conclusion that we are just discussing, which is, you know what, there is this one guy who has brought me to where I am. Yeah. Might as well, you know, live and die by that. Yeah. So, that would be my philosophy, and that's one thing. Second thing is matchups to me are always iffy. Denver is a unique case for Brady, but otherwise, who is a good defense to play against and who's not so, seems like something. And I remember we spoke about this right. about ten weeks ago. Right. I think that equation needs to keep needing to get reassessed every four weeks. Yes. Both defenses end up looking bad four weeks down the road, and vice versa. Right, and then some of these guys are typically matchup proof. And like I said, Brady's only uh, challenge seems to be Denver, that two on the road. But anyway, I was completely fine with the decision. In fact, I never even had a backup quarterback, except for the weeks Brady was suspended or was uh, on a bye. So I really didn't have another choice per se. But it just was an interesting conversation with this other owner who was... Uh, giving me a hard time over that. But then I said, listen, he probably has an amazing week 14, amazing week 16. So even if I correctly predicted he's going to suck in week 15, what am I supposed to do? I need to optimize for three weeks, right? He still probably gives me the best shot over a three-week period. It's just unfortunate for me that I didn't make it to the third week. But I need to make it, you know, if you project, if I'm sitting at week 9 or 10 or 11, which week am I optimizing? It's just an exact science. So, and your problem, Arvindar, what kind of killed you in week 15 was that Brady didn't even hit his floor. Because yeah. with someone like Brady, you're talking about his worst games will be, of, by nature of the definition, means it will be his floor, which typically is 15 to 17 points. I think your problem was that he didn't even get to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it would have mattered in one of our leagues against you anyways. Uh, but in the other league where you lost in the Super Bowl, it was actually pretty close. Um, yes. Yeah, you had a interesting Monday night to clinch that one against me. Anyways, so it was a good season overall and also our uh, first podcast season. Hope, hope uh, this gets better next year. Uh, really looking forward to the rest of the year as well as uh, um, you know the new season when it kicks off in September by the way happy new year both to you and the listeners we forgot all about that um, yeah hope, hope our listeners end up winning a few uh, fantasy Super Bowls this next year thanks for <laughs> us yeah alright with that said maybe we should talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs um I was looking at the schedule this weekend, and a lot of uh, people are saying this. You know, there's really only one exciting game, which is the Giants at Green Bay. Other than that, I can't think of a weaker lineup. And this coming from two guys, and you and me, who live in the Bay Area, I think we would have been a lot more excited if the Raiders had David Carr healthy. But now that he's injured... I feel like this is one of the weakest lineups. What, what do you think? Are you excited? Are you indifferent? Or are you approaching this wild card weekend? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. In fact, I'll advance that by saying that even New York at Green Bay doesn't kind of excite me that much. Really? Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, I think New York, 
though you know i recently made a made a uh, hypothetical bet on giants v patriots uh, version 3 uh, mm-hmm. at this year's super bowl but i mean you know that was more pure uh, uh playing the playing the high odds but i frankly have not been happy with uh, or have been impressed by new york and it seems like they're going to face a green bay juggernaut which looks like it's in full flow so to me even that one is you're right i mean it is probably the best among four really uh, tepid matchups and the one that i'm least excited about where you actually have two horrible teams is oakland and at houston uh, yeah oakland without car looks rudderless and houston is a putrid team Yes yeah, so here's my question for you right just in terms of lineup uh for tv and ratings and all that let's say if car was healthy i feel like that game would still be in that slot typically raiders kind of get a lot of eyeballs on tv but just because of the fact that they are playing this houston team do you think the lineup would have been any different if it was car now obviously without car uh, there was no sex appeal to that game but even with him i can't think of that game being in any other slot tv wise uh, i agree i agree with you i think the one thing by the way what do you know what the lines are on on uh, oakland at houston i heard uh, houston by 3 or something like that okay okay uh, yeah because I, that's something that i wonder what would what would have been the case if car was playing i think oakland the one thing and maybe that's also something that you're alluding to is uh, they have a legitimate fan uh, what what i call a national fan base right uh, so so you know that there is more than uh, a provincial rooting interest on the outside of the bay area yes. for the raiders it's just that the team itself uh, without car uh, is not as impressive the other thing though in regards to the raiders that i wanted to ask you was What do you think of Del Rio's coaching especially on the offensive side? Uh, why I bring that up is that typically you find teams which lose their nerve mm-hmm. center which say is the quarterback they rely on the running game a lot and typically hand over the reins to their bell cow. Instead what we've seen in the last couple of weeks is them moving even further away from Latavius Murray. Andre <laughs> Washington seems to be handling a lot of carries. He's done well, accepted, but still it just feels like the team has lost its identity for reasons other than just Carr not being there. Yeah, I think Del Rio seems like uh, yeah, I never had this image of him in Jacksonville actually when he was there. Uh he seems like one of those really aggressive almost like a Bruce Arians type who is like I don't care what happens or who's hurt I'm just going to do what you know I want to do right type things So you are right he doesn't seem to have tuned this game plan to the car injury right he still thinks we will do what we want to do which you can argue for or against but given how good car is i agree with you it's probably safer to tweak it a little bit right um he, he didn't however i have to say obviously a rookie should not be coming in uh, as to start a playoff game for the first time right it's unfortunate for the raiders with the injuries but connor cook does look good at times did you yes. did you see him he has some good good skill set uh of course i don't expect much in the setting but give him a year or two he may be good yeah i was watching the highlights of that game and uh, and also kind of envisioning what it is that would make connor cook and the entire raiders team be at ease and obviously aside from the fact that they are playing against the woeful houston texans with osweiler back Yeah. The help. Yeah. I think the other thing is they're playing against a team that is also uh, ripe for turnovers. So I can totally envision a scenario where Houston coughs it up uh, to in on the at the own at their own half mm-hmm. end of the field, and uh, for the Raiders to get maybe a gimme score, either a field goal or a touchdown. I mean, my point in kind of getting to that level of detail is I think Connor Cook looks looked good, but I think. playoff atmosphere by itself provides its own seeds of anxiety and nervousness but Houston is the exact team you want to play against right. because they can help uh, calm you down 
So I wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders win this one, right? But then where do they go from here? I think both of these teams don't even have to show up to the next round. Who will they play? That's the unfortunate reality of it. Now, if Carr was around, it would have been exciting to see uh, what happens next. So they're talking about, I think the uh, Bill Simmons was talking about how the, the big bad Patriots could be in the next round, the possibilities of their opposing quarterback is either like Connor Cook or Matt McLean or Brock Osweiler or Tom Savage or Matt Moore or Ryan Tannehill. That's like that's like the opposite of murderer's row, whatever that is. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a weak uh, playoffs, uh, at least in week one. And I do agree with you that even Packers may, may just... It may be a lot of hype because of uh, Giants having done well there a uh, couple of times in the playoffs, but this time might be different, and Packers may cruise easily to a win. Um, and hopefully the next weekend is more interesting, whether it's Packers, Seattle, or Packers, uh, Dallas, or whatever. I, I don't even. I, I'm not always on top of how the NFL bracket works. Do you know? I think the lowest seed gets the top seed, right? It's not like That's a real, right. real bracket. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's right. By the way, speaking of the Giants, and this goes back to another thing that Bill Simmons often says, which is, you know, he says that every now and then, or at least once or twice a season, there's always that bad Eli game, you know, where he just yeah. six <laughs> interceptions and loses a game all by himself. Yeah. And uh, they were making a comment on how that hasn't happened this season, and the Giants have been win- winning with their defense. I think that's just a cosmetic way of uh, putting in positive uh, spirit something that has been equally awful and that is that Eli I feel has had a bad Eli season I know pretty much in every game at least for three quarters he's looked like that quote-unquote bad Eli that Simmons talks about and then all of a sudden he has this one slant route pass to Odell Beckham which Beckham takes all the way and Giants (laughs) end up winning 16 to 10 to me that's been the story of this season yeah, that. You know, what do you think is Eli's? Where is he headed? Is he? Uh, I know he has won two Super Bowls. Would you put him in the Hall of Fame if he continues like this for another five years? I'm very uncomfortable with that notion. <laughs> despite yeah. despite I mean, his numbers, and he probably will have two Super Bowls at least, right? I just can't yeah. imagine him being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think, and that's why the whole process is somewhat faulty. Wherein, uh, and, and, and you know, it's it, it's interesting because if you listen or read individual Hall of Fame voters like Peter King or uh, quite a few of them, in their individual opinions and articles, they always kind of give the sense that they are not they are kind of feeling equally uncomfortable about potentially looking at Eli as a Hall of Famer. But then, collectively, you'll always find that he's someone who'll get in purely on the basis of having won two Super Bowls, going into those Super Bowls as underdogs, and then beating the heavily favored Patriots. Yeah. And that is making such a complicated, or not a complicated, but such, such an intricate evaluation into such a simplistic rule that if you won two Super Bowls, you're in. Yeah, I know. Um, and the uh, thing is, too, is, right, as you put more distance between his career and when this decision is made, he's just going to look more and more impressive, right? Because people are going to forget all these stinkers and they will have just numbers to go by 15 years from now. Exactly. And I know some of this is just intangibles, but similar to how people evaluate Super Bowl candidates, not just on the basis of their own stats, but also on the basis of who else did they have on the team. And right. not just for Hall of Fame, but even for an MVP. Yeah. And they say, okay, who else did they have on the team? If you were to utilize the reverse rule, which is if you had a, a transcendent talent on person X's team, mm-hmm. did person X help to improve or you know digress that person's talent? And in my mind, Odell Beckham would have been without a doubt a top three pick every year for the last three years, if not for Eli being his QB. But here's my flip side to that, Doravi. If you take Odell out, you could make an argument he has not had the greatest of talent on his side. And by the way, he has not won a Super Bowl with Odell. He has won two already, right? So you could probably say there were some transcendent talents on his defense, and that clearly helped him. 
but at least on the offensive side you could I, i unless i'm missing someone would you put tiki barber in that category i don't know uh, maybe tiki was good for a year or two right uh, but odell is really that only transcendent talent would you agree that yes yes no 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 arguments there no arguments there but my uh, point and that's where i think you have to tip your hat to people who say would support Eli's candidacy for the hall because especially that first year when they beat the patriots the giants had no business even being in that super bowl leave alone winning it i mean the fact yeah, yeah. was that they had a pretty uh, average set of players but year 2 or when they won it for the second time if i remember right i think cruz victor cruz was at his peak mm-hmm. uh, they also had uh, hakeem nixon again you know i think then it gets down to your right it gets down to evaluating individual players with who else was good at that time but my point actually was that given what he has right now which is odell at the peak of his yeah. uh, uh, you know uh, uh, capability i think the giants are underperforming and this obviously goes against the grain of what they have showed which is they won 10 or 11 games this year but i just feel that eli is someone that's bringing them down right i i was all the way with you until you brought hakeem nix's name <laughs> who did who did i drop hakeem nix hakeem nix yeah <laughs> i i never understood what was the appeal of those guys in you know, hakeem nix mario manningham and all those guys but i i agree with you all kidding aside Uh, but just spending one more second two <laughs> more seconds on the giants no you are not so, you are not so allowed weird. you are not yeah. allowed more time on hakim next by the <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just weird but the names that we are talking about that kind of helped eli and the giants win the super bowls are mario manningham with that yeah totally outlandish catch and then david tyree with that helmet thing yeah. and neither of those two guys would be you know among the first thousand wide receivers if we were asked to name them that we have known <laughs> yeah 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 so he is i think he has a little bit of that clutch gene other than that i don't know what he has now another two super bowl comparison i totally i'm totally comfortable with putting uh, ben rothlisberger in the hall of fame today right i think that guy is significantly better even though he has been a little shaky this year by his standards i like him a lot better than eli manning as a quarterback for my team and honestly when their careers started i was the other way around right i i was very skeptical of ben and i was a big uh, eli manning fan just because of what he did in college as well as probably his last name biased me too um, which is what it's going to do for a lot of people when they vote for uh all of fame and stuff like that but yeah. i'm a big big ben fan how about you i and you know the thing with ben that some detractors talk about is that his road record is not as good but again you know that's like almost like a cyclical approach towards converting a strength into a weakness you know at least ben uh, or drew brees are so good at home and obviously the fact that both of them have won super bowls adds to that whole luster but to me the fact that they've been so spectacular at home ends up creating a trend line where they're not as good as on the road but eli for one is someone that literally game to game you have no idea what what's going to come out of it right right uh, you know so when you have a hall of famer or a very good player on your roster one of the key things is bankability can i bank on this guy to win me a game irrespective of you know uh, who else he has on this team and at least at home you know that rothlisberger will end up delivering yeah. but even though you never know he could be playing against the cleveland browns at home and end up right. throw, throwing up a stinker right i totally agree and that's why we are spending so much time on him because our entire weekend playoff viewing pleasure is in his hands <laughs> that's the scary <laughs> that's part the thing, right? with everything that you said about him it wouldn't surprise me if you and I are talking on Mondays talking about how Eli threw four touchdowns and beat the Packers in Green Bay yeah so that's why it's important he shows up because um there are four games that's the best one and it's in Eli's hand believe it or not <laughs> um all right so that's you know I'm looking forward to the weekend nonetheless and hopefully we can talk more about the playoffs 
uh, and we get better matchups next week. Um, anything else you want to touch upon before we go to Pucker 5? No, I think uh, the playoffs, the NFL playoffs are probably what's holding center strange and I think we did a good job uh, dissecting some of the key matchups. Yes, when Hakeem Nix makes it, then we are getting deep into the topic. <laughs> he actually was part of your fantasy roster a couple of seasons, right? Yes. Uh, whose roster has he not been part of, right? Because you dra- you have him, you drop him next week so somebody else can pick him. Yeah, I think we, uh, in, in, in our league of record, I think Hakeem Nix, Percy Harvin and Bishop Sankey have the unique... Um, uh, stature of having been on pretty much every roster. By the way, where is Sankey, your favorite? Where is he? Did he make it to the yes. end of the season? And think about how low he has gotten that after having jumped around from Titans to Patriots to Chiefs, after the season was over, I forget whether it was the Jets or one of the teams that didn't make the playoffs, signed Sankey to a futures contract. So that's oh. how low it's gotten for him. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Anyways, let's move on to our uh, Pucka 5. This is where we hit on some top, top picks across all of sports, uh, whatever is on our mind and whatever we could not get in depth in our uh, prior uh, uh, portion of the program. So, do you want me to go first, Ravi? Sure, go ahead. So, my Pucka 5 actually... Starts with the kind of continuation of the same topic. I think the NFL playoffs has too many backup quarterbacks right now, which is kind of taking the juice away from it. I believe the AFC side out of the six teams, there are three backups, which is Matt Moore, um, of course, Savage, but now he is uh, hurt, so Brock is back, and then the uh, Oakland situation. So... It goes to show how much of uh, NFL, despite all its popularity and everything, is still, uh, how much of its popularity is driven by quarterbacks. And when the top quarterbacks are hurt, it is a completely different experience for uh, even their hardcore fans. I thought that was uh, very unusual that there are so many backup quarterbacks making it all the way to the playoffs. That's my first point. The second one is... Uh, Monday is actually the uh, football playoff championship for college football. And uh, Alabama has made it once again. They're playing Clemson. But this time should be interesting because this is one of the few times there is a repeat finalist. Now, of course, the playoffs has not been around long enough. Uh, maybe there's a good argument for the playoffs as as the teams winning the first rounds make it to the finals instead of some arbitrary voting mechanism. And it's a coincidence that we have got the exact same ma- matchup for the second year in a row. And I think the uh, Clemson upsets uh, Alabama this time around. We'll, we'll see. But that should be a really good uh, game if, if you want to check out college football one last time this season. Indeed. Uh, my third point is uh, about the NBA, actually. Uh, George Call has written a book, and that's making a lot of headlines for uh, all the wrong reasons, maybe some right reasons. Supposedly, he's killed a whole bunch of people, including especially Carmelo Anthony. And I've read a few of the articles about it and heard some podcast comments, and it sounds really interesting. Uh, and one of the things that I'm debating is whether to actually buy this book and read it or not. Um, Ravi, you you read a lot of sports books. Would you, do you read this one? I haven't, but it's on my list. I definitely do want to read it for all of the things that he has said about Carmelo and Kenyon Martin. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And the one that really was fascinating was supposedly back when he was in Seattle. I don't know if you heard about it. So there was almost a done deal. This was when uh, Jordan was retired for sending Kemp to Bulls for Pippen. And supposedly Bulls said, this is your deal, right? You, If Seattle wants it, they could have gotten it. 
and then call supposedly called michael jordan because of their north carolina connection and talked about baseball and his minor league stuff and then he, he finally asked him what do you think about this deal now jordan you know jordan is a smart man he apparently said yes you should do it because kemp is really good but he's not going to make others better whereas pippen will make your team better so you should totally go for it but somehow seattle still messed it up and didn't make the deal and then of course you know what happened right jordan comes back uh, bulls won three more championship but the interesting point is what happens to jordan version 2 if that trade has indeed happened that is uh, a really interesting uh, twist you know that's fascinating because in fact i didn't realize that uh, this story was part of george cow's book but i remember having read it in some bleacher report a few years ago and the uh-huh. angle that was brought out was yes you're exactly right what would happen to jordan's decision about coming back would he have come back if he had kemp as a teammate and not pippen but to me the other interesting question that crept up was if it was kemp and even if jordan had returned would the bulls have traded for dennis rodman who played the same position as kemp probably and not right if dennis rodman hadn't joined the team would they have ended up winning the way they did if it was just jordan and kemp exactly those are the questions um yeah that's you know could they have won without basically both pippen and ron they would have been a very different team defensively uh they might have even been better offensively but you know it's how much more offense do you need when you have jordan and they had cook coach and this they had some weapons but defensively that teams were special and definitely not having pippen and rodman would have hurt that so that's that's an interesting what if so we will never know the answer to that anyway that those are some of the things in this book which sounds interesting um my next point staying in the nba i was watching inside the nba and they were at ces and doing all kinds of stunts yesterday and it's just amazing to me how interesting that show is it is by far the best studio uh, sports show and i think they are even in some kind of a weird media hall of fame where only few tv shows have made it to i think in sports there are only two or three shows that has made it to that hall of fame i don't even know what it is but supposedly just sports center inside the nba and one other show but it's just so interesting so natural and there is all these other networks and uh, leagues and post game shows trying to copy their model but it's just that uh, you know you just can't capture what barkley and kenny and ernie and even shack is uh, who doesn't talk a whole lot but uh, you know the chemistry and what they do in the show is just amazing um yeah, have you that, what do you yeah, have that, a, any that's a, that's a great uh, uh, observation arvin and you know it's one of those things where i think it's largely personality driven right the fact that it succeeds is a is a testament to the fact that it doesn't literally have a format or a structure or a template right it evolves right. based on over the years the personalities of the individuals yes coming to the fore and over the last few years like for example with the inclusion of shaq they have made sure that they are bringing in people who kind of align with it like i remember they had magic johnson for a couple of seasons or maybe even longer and that yeah. just didn't grow well with uh, barkley and kenny smith right uh, and i like what they do constantly to kind of reinvent but overall i think the crux of it is barkley Yes, definitely without Barkley it's not the same show. But uh we also should give some credit to the you know Kenny and Ernie as well. I think they play the perfect foil to Barkley and they have developed their own style and uh you know catchphrases and what not and carve their out their own niche and this show just works because i think it's very it's probably the least produced show i'm sure they do some production too which we can't we don't know about some of it is planned but it just flows and it just feels like the entire show is just bunch of guys sitting and talking with no production no prompting nothing it just they're literally talking and that's a great uh, presentation for a show it's not forced it's not uh over uh, 
produced. It's just very natural. And Barclay is a huge part of that. So Totally agree. Yeah. And then staying on um, in the NBA, I just saw something go by this morning that uh, Eric Bledsoe has outside shot becoming an all-star. I hope he makes it. Uh, he has had some really good games, especially after the first month. I think he, he got better. Um, I, I, it's going to be brutal to pick these guards in the West, right? But let's see if he sneaks in. What, what do you think with Eric Bledsoe's chances? He's been great. I think Eric Bledsoe has been the guy that's been pulling the Suns along. I think the biggest thing that goes against him is obviously the team record. Uh, but I kind of feel sorry for him. I mean, he's having one of the more uh, uh, underrated uh, all-in seasons. You know, he's kind of contributing at every level on every uh, column of the stat sheet as well. Uh, so, yes, uh, but I, I don't think it's very likely uh, that they improve, but I think he's been great. Yeah, sure. So that's my list uh, for this episode, your turn, Ravi, the champion. <laughs> Thanks, Arvind. That was a that was a very good list. So here's mine, really quickly. The first one of which, and I know it's slightly dated, uh, given that I had prepared this first item um, a couple of weeks ago. But I think it bodes well for what's in line for next year, which is who would be my fantasy pick number one if I had the first pick. And I can only think of two names. It's either David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. And I bring this topic up as something that I'm sure we'll discuss in a lot more detail over the next few months. But to me, these two players, talking about transcendental, they were so much better than everyone else on their team from an offensive skills perspective as well as weekly delivery perspective that it was just uh, otherworldly. And I know Elliot and Antonio Brown and DeMarco Murray and even LeSean McCoy are always going to be uh, good names to contend with, but I think DJ and Le'Veon a class apart. So you don't think Elliot is in that mix? Of the re- yeah, for two reasons, sir. I mean, Elliot is someone that I rode all the way to a championship, so I yeah. don't mean to sound hypocritical, but to me, Elliot, uh, you you can see that number one, he's not. I don't know if he is or not as good of a pass catcher as Le'Veon and David Johnson, but. It's pretty evident that he doesn't get as many opportunities. And I think in an increasingly PPR mentality, which I think a lot of fantasy leagues are moving towards, David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell in particular, are almost as good as number two wide receivers just on that aspect itself. Yes. And I think that's one area where Elliot misses out. And the other thing is, if I had to replace Elliot with, say, Alfred Morris... He won't be as good, but Mm -hmm. he won't be horrible either. Uh, The offensive line in Dallas, to me, holds a lot of responsibility and credit for Elliott's success. And obviously, that only helps Elliott as a fantasy player. But to me, DJ and Le'Veon sometimes play not just uh, with the game game script in hand, but sometimes uh, versus it. Like, you know, you could have a blowout, but still... David Johnson keeps catching passes and, you know, getting receiving touchdowns and the same with Le'Veon. And I think that's one aspect, in addition to the fact that uh, Elliott doesn't catch as many balls, that makes me think of both of these guys as higher as a fantasy pick than Elliott. That's fair, yeah. We'll we'll talk more about it uh, when we get close to the season. Yes, yes. The second thing which kind of is aligned with, you know, some of these spectacular athletes in the NFL this year is the whole conversation around the MVP. Who's going to be the MVP? I know a lot of names are being dangled around, including Elliott and Dak Prescott and Matt Ryan and even Matthew Stafford. But to me, how do you look beyond Tom Brady? I feel this entire debate around or this entire uh, uh, argument uh, around Brady having missed four games as one of the reasons why he should not be considered is bullshit because the value of what he means to the team was felt even in the games that he missed. They were 3-1 and one in the games that he wasn't there and frankly should have been 2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals kicker ended up gifting the game, gifting game number one to the Patriots. So to say that, and by the way, the one of the other wins was against the Houston Texans team that 
looked totally out of place so to me to say that brady doesn't deserve it only because he missed four games despite having uh, basically an otherworldly season is nonsense so to me tom brady is the mvp of the league he's the guy that could walk into any other team as a qb and instantly improve that team's uh, performance exponentially and i think that should be a parameter on how you discuss who are the mvp candidates i didn't know you had such a strong feeling about it otherwise we should have uh, discussed that in detail maybe we should do it next week Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely and i'm not a brady fan i mean and you know that i'm not i'm not that i'm not i'm not a brady fan but it's not he's not a player that i feel so strongly about like for example kurt warner i used to in the past but to me the results are there for everyone to see and i think sometimes critics and experts end up over complicating pretty straightforward issues right right but i think you made the right point if they were not 3 and 1 when he was out it might the perception may be different uh that's one thing and the other argument against uh, him is aside from the 12 game thing is i believe the schedule has been pretty weak uh of course not his fault but uh that's another factor that comes in plus the fact that there are some stronger candidates uh maybe we should discuss this in detail next time definitely definitely yeah, yeah. absolutely so my third uh Paka five point Arvind is uh, uh, something again that you know and I guess in when you have a lot of time in your hands on Sundays you get to do these but I was observing when I was watching this Kansas City game a few weeks ago against Denver and I think Casey was up by a couple of touchdowns with less than 3 minutes to go in the game and they were at the Denver 3 yard line or 2 yard line and uh, an honorable team maybe would have run the ball or you know basically even kneel down or you know kick the field goal instead andy reed decides to have their lineman dontari pops uh <laughs> take a wildcat snap and throw the ball to um uh, to i forget who it was i think kelsey or someone and there were two things there number one if hoodie had done that uh, you can be uh, assured that the following day all every media hack would have talked about was how good he had no respect for the game and how he wanted to show up the other team and so on and so forth mm-hmm. whereas when andy reed does that and dontari poe throws the ball it's supposed to be cute and oh wow that's a new wrinkle so that's one problem i had with that the second thing was if they had this gadget play in their arsenal why display it in a meaningless point of a meaningless game why not hold it back for a playoff game and i know this is something with both you and i heard bill simmons talk about but yeah. to me that's where i find sometimes coaches lack complete common sense and i think another example of this was when the cowboys uh, and again i forget who were they, they were playing against but they had des bryant take an end around and then throw a left-handed pass to jason witten for a touchdown right, in right. my mind i didn't even know des was left-handed yeah. so if that was the case why not use something like that during the playoffs yeah that's a good point uh speaking of hoodie hoodie would probably never do that part even if he did the first one where scoring when he shouldn't he wouldn't reveal his uh, uh you know trick plays unnecessarily that's yeah, a that's very true. good point that yeah that's true that is true so my fourth point is again staying within football uh, an observation with uh, what happened with when jeff fisher got canned uh, they made the special teams coach john fossil uh, the guy who i guess is jim fossil's son though he looks like his dad <laughs> they made him the head coach similarly i forget who it was i think it was rex ryan or someone after they were fired after the head coach was fired for some other team they made the special teams coach the head coach and the reasoning in both these cases was that they didn't want to upset what the defensive coach and the offensive coach were doing week over week so they just made the special teams coach the head coach and that brought up this point isn't the head coach the most important coaching uh, personnel on the team or is it a job that actually uh. anyone could do like if you want the defensive coach to coach defense and the head co- and the offensive coach to coach the offense and you just want someone to stand as the head coach with a microphone or with a with a <laughs> handset with a headset uh, why not just put the ball boy or the water cooler guy or one of the cheerleaders i mean i don't <laughs> it just makes it so weird 
that they expect billions of people to just stand there and believe you when they say that oh we didn't want to upset that whole scenario so we made some random guy the head coach yeah that sounds like a cop out i mean you're picking him yeah. for probably a legitimate reason but then you're giving a weaker reason just not to upset the two coordinators maybe i don't know i agree with you and then you know if you dig into it you're exactly right it is a cop out because the minute you give someone with a higher stature or a standing let's say the defensive coordinator if he ends up winning a game and again i don't foresee a way where suddenly the defensive coordinator within that week becomes the head coach and designs some strategies by which the team plays better i mean all of those things are totally far fetched but if the team ends up winning all of a sudden the defensive coordinator or the offensive coordinator is building a resume of success and for some reason i feel owners or the gms the administrators basically don't want anything that would make their end of the bargain look worse off where their negotiating stature is uh, you know diluted and one way of doing that is just by putting Uh, like a special teams coordinator or a, remember in one of the games they put the the guy that was coaching the cornerbacks or the secondary <laughs> as the head coach and what that makes no sense to me yeah uh, so Agreed. but anyway and my last point is moving completely away not just from football from but from the US is i want to talk about this movie that recently got released in india it's a movie called dangal uh-huh. and it fo- fo- it's a true story it focuses on the true story of this uh, wrestler um, uh, in india who ended up never making it big within the national ranks but was so passionate about the sport of wrestling that he ended up wanting to coach his quote unquote sons to practice it and ended up having four daughters instead and then given that he had four daughters decided to get his daughters trained with the same passion with the same zeal that he had practiced and each of those daughters ended up becoming internationally known Uh, wrestlers so wow. number one i thought the whole story i mean i love i'm a sucker for sports based dramas especially if they are true stories but not just that it focuses on a sport which is completely unknown uh, you know the sport of wrestling and the fact that it's made in such a professional such an excellent manner really got me to being a big fan of the movie so for those that haven't seen it i would strongly recommend it it's it has every ingredient that typically Uh, is aligned with what a sports fan likes um, in a movie and uh, would definitely recommend a watch oh cool thank you i have not seen it yet but i'm strongly uh, considering it yep okay. so that was my pakka five arvin cool thanks thanks for uh, a good list as well as the dangal recommendation i think that's wraps up this show the first one of the new year the first one as uh, ravi is the reigning fantasy champion so there is a good fantasy season and let's hope uh, the nfl playoffs continues the good vibes and uh, we will continue to put out these podcasts periodically and uh, hope to talk to you all soon sounds good cheers everyone yeah happy new year